The economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you're not already a subscriber of The Athletic, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna. As always, we are a combatorial optimization podcast. Um, We can get into that without Notre Dame is going to make social distancing work within the stadium. Uh, We had a Brian Kelly Zoom webinar today where he ran down in some detail the roster. Um, Some interesting revelations there. Uh, And then also we got uh, TV times because if one more person sent me a DM when the Duke game was, I was going to throw my laptop out the window. But Matt, how are you? Healthy, employed, well. (laughs) Uh, It's September, which means summer's over in Chicago. It's raining, but uh, otherwise doing well. How about you? The same, the same. It's uh, it's hard to believe that the season is 11 days away. Um, You know, it's the the mental, I, I guess, flexibility it takes to get from... Notre Dame is playing, but the entire Big Ten is not. Um, it's, it's just strange. We're, these are strange times, and this is just another strange part of it. But uh, we have a kickoff time. We have a kickoff network. Uh, Notre Dame-Duke will be on NBC as expected, but the kickoff is at 2.30. Uh, if you miss the rundown today, uh, there are two night games, uh, Florida State and Clemson. Uh, Syracuse on December 5th is still to be determined, although cert- almost certainly a day game. And then um, the tricky one, the USF game, is on USA Network uh, due to US Open Golf. Um, so there's a lot of US stuff happening with that. But uh, yeah, 11 days away, and uh, Notre Dame is going to have students in the stands. Um, player parents, I believe, will be sort of more up in boxes. Um, those spaces are not getting used this season in a traditional sense. Um, some... Maybe the band will be there. I think that's kind of still getting worked out. And as as Brian Kelly mentioned on the Zoom call today, like everyone has to be a master in flexibility at this point because um, that's that's the only way they make it from one day to the next. Yeah, um, I didn't know the box part about the fans. That's interesting. Excuse me about the parents. That's interesting. Just because you. I'm not an epidemiologist. Yeah, it's, or I mean, it's like one, but it sounds like the- outdoors yeah. is safer. Well, I think the theory is like the campus is closed, and you're not necessarily going to want them mixing with your campus bubble because um, they're sure. coming from California or Texas or Florida, right, um, right. all over the place. So if you can separate them to that level of, uh, I guess, distancing, that's I, that I think is sort of the goal with that. But uh, I'm I'm not entirely sure it will it will happen exactly like that. But that's that's sort of the the rumor that I've heard. I mean, I'm I'm glad they're letting students in. I mean, if they're going to be in person classes, which they are starting tomorrow, uh, and assuming knock on wood that goes as smooth or at least close to smooth as they hope it will, and they don't have to send anyone home, um, they should be allowed in their on campus stadium to go to a football game, especially since there will obviously be room for them to social distance and follow whatever protocols are in place. I think it's interesting when you look around the country and see the um, 
the uh, inconsistency, if you will. I mean, Clemson, I think, is going to have 30,000, something to that effect, uh, in the stadium. But they don't have in-person classes until the end of September. Um, so it's safe for people to come from God knows where to come in and watch a football game on your campus. But it's not safe to sit in class with your peers uh, that you're paying tuition for and learn. I think there's some inconsistency there, uh, as well as Miami, which is allowing some fans in but not students. Different situation there because their stadium is about 45 minutes from campus. It's a, it's different. I understand their hands are tied a little bit differently. But I'm glad Notre Dame is letting students in. I'm glad they're not um, – Make exceptions outside of faculty and parents. I mean, and media. Sure there will be in media, of course. Um, I'm sure there will be a lot of people, a lot of people with um, heavy pockets, uh, complaining and trying to find their way in. <laughs> I mean, remember when they had uh, when they were renovating the stadium and they uh, they had their spring game uh, at the practice yes. outside. I think it was 2015. That was whatever ever goal since last spring at Notre Dame uh, when Sean Kaiser was number three. Uh, there were faculty and other friends of the program in there, and some of them were, were just coming up to me and asking questions about the team. And I'm just like, how are you here right now? Like, you would be on a list to get in here. Like, I thought you're definitely not a teacher here. You're definitely not a billionaire. Maybe you're the, the you know, forgotten child of a billionaire, but how are you here right now? Um there will be situations where I'm sure they're trying to, uh, there are people trying to get in the stadium that way, but you would hope amid a pandemic, not a construction site, but a pandemic, that there will be protocols uh, to keep anyone from getting in who shouldn't be. You're, you're not expecting uh, Tom Mendoza and Jimmy Dunn to enroll in an art history class next week? Just to, just Tom Mendoza should have a watch party <laughs> at the Mendoza School of Business since his name is on that. And that will be more fun than the game. Yeah, no question about that. Um, yeah, so... I think that the protocol, so I had a story about how that's all going to work, how, you know, they, Notre Dame had a, a data analytics professor essentially build software for them um, so they can assign seats and keep students distance where if you live in a double, you can sit with your roommate. If you live in a quad, you can sit with your three roommates. Maybe you're in an off-campus apartment with five people. Those five people can sit together. Um, you know, on-campus students, I believe, will be in one section of the stadium and, and off-campus will be dealt similarly, but maybe in a different section of the stadium. Um, you know, how the entrance and exit goes is, to, I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, you know, in the story, I mentioned that, okay, you're socially distanced when the, se- when the game starts. What happens when Ian Book throws the game-winning touchdown against Clemson? Are, are people just going to stay exactly where they are? I, I don't know. I don't know what that's all going to look like, but... Um, I, I give them credit for trying to make it work. Um, and I, you know, it may not go perfectly at the very beginning. Um, as I think anyone around Notre Dame would tell you, things did not go perfectly in the very beginning with their, their COVID-19 testing on campus. But, you know, whereas three weeks ago, you're having positive cases of 102, 89, and 82 in three straight days. The last three days have been 10, 3, and 6. So, it seems like they have a handle on uh, how this all needs to work and the behaviors needed. And, you know, if, I think that there's a concern that, you know, once campus opens back up, you're going to have a lot more interaction. That's true. But I think that they saw a lot of their cases coming from off-campus activities, not on-campus activities. So I think there's there's hope that uh, they can continue with this, even though they I can tell you that, you know, they, they certainly are uh, prepared for a spike or two down the road just 
you know, based on the nature of the virus. Have we gotten clarity on the pep rallies yet? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, that's a, I, I have not, but this is, I haven't even thought to ask about it. Um, it just, Come on. it seems Season's like a lot something, of days away. Get your head in the game. Yeah, it, it seems like something that could uh, fade away into, uh, into uh, the background. Also, um, for the games, it's Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy on the call. Oh, I didn't even uh, see that. Yeah, I believe that uh, just came out um, just a few minutes ago. So that is kind of an interesting adjustment to uh, Notre Dame's broadcast team. Maybe Doug um, Flutie's free to come on the podcast now since uh, he's a fan yeah. favorite. <laughs> yeah, we can have him. Uh, maybe we could have him guest co-host with uh, Tim Brando. That might be interesting. <laughs> um, from Brian Kelly's zoom today what was the what was the one thing he said from a a a roster management standpoint that stuck out to you um that the depth charts basically set um 11 days before kickoff uh look coaches know coaches and players know who's playing best they know who's going to play the most they don't need to uh they don't need hours and hours of practice tape to to determine that one player is better or will be better than the other. Rarely, if ever, do we hear any of them ever say anything publicly about that because it's, well, that every competition's open. Anyone can lose their job, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Kelly, I mean, he spoke like a guy who's in his 11th year at a, a, an elite college football program. He's the depth chart set. Um, we, I mean, we know who's going to be playing the most for us. I mean, we need to develop depth, but... Like we, we know what we have on this roster. And I don't know how many programs can say that, one, in a normal year, two, in a year where you had basically no spring practice and your training camp is not like any training camp you've ever had before. Uh, and I think that speaks to the health of the program. I mean, you hear that statement come out of the head coach's mouth on September 1st, and I hate to get ahead of myself, but I'm thinking, okay, if – if you don't go, but you know, barring any like COVID outbreaks or, or suspensions or anything like that, you should win every single game against anyone other than Clemson this year. Like that, that should be the absolute expectation. Um, you're a good program. You've got a three-year starter at quarterback. You have a consistent coaching staff. I know you have a new office coordinator, but it's not like he's coming from another school. He knows the personnel inside and out. Uh, you have two new assistants, but again, they're position coaches. I think the pandemic is, you know, that's a time where stability, I think, will really, really show itself in Notre Dame. Uh, the you know 2.0 Brian Kelly version 2.0 Brian Kelly, whatever you want to call it, from 2017 on, they've been at least as consistent of a program, I think, in terms of knowing what to expect week in and week out uh, as anyone in the country. Um, and I think yeah, they're in a healthy place right now. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, they're a known quantity. Um, you know, kind of. As much as as much focus as I think is gets put on losses to Georgia or Clemson, um, those are games they're they supposed also, to lose. Though I mean, yeah, they also Michigan win. and Miami. Okay, like they didn't yeah, play good. They win every other damn time, um, you know, and that's they're reliable. And I think for the better part of twenty years, uh, including a lot of Brian Kelly's tenure, Notre Dame was highly unpredictable you just never knew what you were going to see when the game started and so for that to change I thought that I'm I'm with you I don't don't want to read too much into a head coach's tone or body language in a small box on my laptop but um, he he should be very comfortable with this team I mean this is he this team is experienced in like 
exactly how you'd want a team to be experienced in a year where that is all messed up like this one, um, where you have five starters back on the offensive line and your starting quarterback back. Um, and you know, a couple of grad transfers that are going to slot into the starting lineup most likely. So that's, I mean, all that's a healthy place to be. I, th- I think if there was something that really struck me about what Brian Kelly, I thought it was Kyron Williams going from really number six on the running back depth chart, um, on Labor Day night a year ago to number one. Number one, yeah. Um, and, and that's something that it sounds like, you know, you've heard from behind the scenes that he has really had a strong camp, that this is not just Brian Kelly trying to get a guy confident that he's delivered. Yeah, no, we talked about this off air before, and I, I reached out to someone we're both uh, intimately familiar with, uh, which has a program and told him our podcast today who's been shining, and he said Kyron Williams, and sure enough, Brian Kelly mentioned him multiple times today, and he barely mentioned Chris Tyree, which still gives me hope that uh, he's going to do all right because I think Brian Kelly wants to always does whatever he can to temper the hype around uh, young guys who still haven't played a game of college football yet. But I mean, if if two of the uh, breakout players, if you will, and again, we haven't seen one second of practice, and we're just going off the words of of others who have. but if two of the guys who are standing out are running backs, that's two more than usual at that position group for Notre Dame, which was a position group mm-hmm. that um, had opportunities there for the taking, and we didn't know what they had. I mean, Dexter Williams had a really, really good 2018. It took him about three or four years to get there. Uh, but but that's I mean that's where you see the difference in the Georgia games, like you mentioned, in the Clemson games. Uh, those breakout guys who um, can change a game with one play. Notre Dame lacks that, has lacked that at the skill positions for the most part. I mean, they've had some really good receivers here and there. I don't want to discount Chase Claypool or Will Fuller, but um, running back, they just have not really had that outside of Dexter Williams. And to hear um, that they might have, I mean, we're hearing about two of them. Let's assume one of them actually is true (laughs) in a worst case scenario. That's, that's good because that was the biggest question mark, I think on this roster coming into 2020. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly one of the, the least talented positions on the roster in terms of recruiting um metrics other than chris tyree and i agree with you i mean they just haven't had i mean they had dexter williams really essentially for nine games in 2018 right um you know it wasn't even a full season there and to have somebody who can essentially let you play with an extra man because he he can make a linebacker miss no problem or he can outrun a defensive back um you know tony jones was super productive but limited physically um they haven't had a guy with sort of that extra gear or you know i look at kyron williams i'm not sure i feel like you know chris tyree has the higher ceiling but to me kyron williams is sort of like maybe a little bit more raw talent um in a darius walker kind of player um where really good first through fourth gear but maybe doesn't have that fifth gear to run away from people but is so good in the first through fourth gear that you can rely on him to pick up a, a lot of five, six, seven, eight yard carries. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they necessarily had a back like that last year. Uh, and I, to me, it's it's a positive if Kyron Williams is moving over Sebo Flemister, moving over Jameer Smith, maybe even moving over Jafar Armstrong, which is, is, is still a little bit of a surprise to me. If th- if that's happening, that's a good thing for Notre Dame's um, Notre Dame's running game. I think he only played four games last year, right? So he kept his red shirt. Kyron? Yes. He played like one 
I mean, he he was. I don't know if he got on the field after uh, the Louisville. His game. bio says Louisville, New Mexico, Georgia, and Virginia. But regardless, that's four fewer. He has a red shirt. The NCAA just put out their eligibility um, mulligan, if you will, last week. And I think you would ask Brian Kelly about this uh, on the Zoom call as far as roster management. Got basically two rookie running backs who might be the two best running backs on the roster ready to play from day one. <laughs> it's a good long-term future, I think. Yeah, that's a good place to be for uh, for Lance Taylor, the running backs coach, at a time when you know it's like they missed on their their top guy in recruiting this cycle. But if they're if they can get these two two guys to be good for the next three four years, they're in good shape. Um, you know, so that that's a positive. I thought you know the other thing sort of mentioned briefly about uh, the two grad transfers who were starting, and you know, I I think there's this perception um, based on some of the grad transfers who who just didn't pan out here, whether that's like, uh, you know, Avery Sebastian at safety or Cam Smith and Freddie Canteen at um, wide receiver during the 2017 season. I think you go back to, you know, what Cody Riggs was during the 2014 season. And that may, that may be the closest comparison to Ben Skoranek at receiver who Brian Kelly said is, is starting at the W, you know, which is where Chase Claypool played last year. And then Nick McLeod, it's going to be starting as well. Um, so I'm not saying either of these guys are going to, you know, put the fear of God into Clemson, but these are good college football players that you can trust on and rely on. Um, and that's a, those, those will be, I think, key additions to the roster. I, and it, it's interesting to me that Isaiah Pryor not mentioned today, I don't believe. Um, and he probably was the most hyped of them all coming in from Ohio state. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, as we talk about roster takeaways from what Brian Kelly said today, uh, the secondary was definitely one of them. Um, grad transfers, like you mentioned, uh, Nick McLeod, Tariq Bracey. He also said, he said a corner, we're going to have to have one player play a lot for us who hasn't played yet. And then he said in the next breath, Sean Crawford's playing a lot of safety. We, we're having trouble doing the math on that one in our heads as far as we thought you had a pretty close to an abundance of riches at safety. You have the best player on the roster and Kyle Hamilton back there as well. You have what I believe is a six-year senior with the option for a seventh next year in Sean Crawford. That will be a great <laughs> test case for Notre Dame's admissions. PhD candidate Sean Crawford. <laughs> um, you know, we could assume a lot of things here given contact tracing and other things going on about why certain positions may be down a body or two. But I don't know if that's a great sign that one of your most proven corners is now moved to help out what you thought was one of your most proven position groups at safety. Sure, the regular season is fun and all, but only one thing can compare to the excitement of playoffs, and that is DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Both basketball and hockey have entered their respective playoffs, and DraftKings is putting you in the center of the action. With millions in prizes throughout the week, there is no better place to make it rain. Start playing for free with your deposit today. If you haven't tried it yet, daily fantasy sports are easy to play. Just draft your players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points based off of your player's performance. There's no better way to put your sports knowledge to the test than to compete for millions of dollars in prizes throughout the week. But if daily fantasy isn't for you, DraftKings just launched Best Ball Contests for football season. If you aren't familiar with Best Ball, Simply head to the app now to check it out. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code RUN to play free with your first deposit today. 
Compete for millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. That's promo code RUN to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes all week long, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit requires. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of the opposite of the, the Kyron Williams jumping over right. older players. You know, this is like, this is an older player that you're, you're taking from a position that, you know, is very young and unproven to put him in a, a position where you felt like Houston Griffin, Isaiah Pryor, at least one of those guys, if not both of them, are really going to click for you. Um, and I, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's like we just don't know. Like if, if either of those guys have missed – 14 days due to contact tracing or 10 days due to quarantine uh, and have to self-isolate that changes the dynamics entirely. I mean that like you just think back about training camps. We have seen if a player misses half of it, like that's it. You, you cannot recover from that. Um, and that's sort of what has hit multiple guys. Um, you know, they they have had good testing numbers last week. But the week before when they had, I believe, five positives and six in that had got caught up in contact tracing, that's tough. Um, you know, contact tracing in a lot of ways is worse than testing yep. positive because you're out 14 days uh, instead of the 10 and then your symptoms go away, you can come back. So that I just I don't know how players can miss half of training camp and then sort of feel like they're going to they're going to have a chance to stand out to the coaching staff in a way that you know Brian Kelly's going to mention them on a Zoom call. We just so and we just don't know who those players are, which is fine, but it's um it's unfair to just sort of I think assume that a player who wasn't mentioned has been there the whole time. Um and you know whether through no fault of their own. That's fair. And Kelly was asked um later in the call what, you know, cuz we've seen we saw Auburn, I think, just miss a week of practice. We've seen LSU be down to four offense linemen. Kelly was asked essentially how many practices during a game week could you afford to miss while still playing? And he said probably no more than two, especially if it's Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, because that's when you're hitting. And if you're missing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all right, we're practicing Thursday. We're flying to the game on Friday. Um that's a tricky situation, and it's one that, you know, we've already seen a number of games get moved already, one in the ACC and I think six in the American Athletic Conference uh, due to, you know, lack of preparation, if you will, for for um, being ready for week one. I mean, I think it's inevitable we're going to cross that path, if not with Notre Dame, then, then throughout much of college football, which is why so many of these bye weeks were, were built in. Uh, so to hear Kelly give as close to specifics as you can from a football coach as far as these are the days we really need and we probably can't play without them. That'll be interesting. I mean, I don't know what in season's going to be like as far as like accessing, you know, zoom calls with Brian Kelly and how much he'll be addressing us and players and so forth. But, uh, you know, the panic meter I'm sure will, will go off as, as with everything in the last five months, the minute we hear about, you know, they're not practicing on time on Monday or this or that, what happened, especially if it's coming off a of game week. Uh, but as you said, it's, it's, we're in the habit, especially now, because our access is, is so bad of overreading into everything and trying to extrapolate uh, who was spoken about or who was not spoken about into what that might mean, when in reality it could just mean his roommate or someone on his floor tested positive and he couldn't play for two weeks. and So he's not up to speed. Uh, and that's going to happen. It's inevitable. 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, Notre Dame is sort of working through the process of, and I've gotten a bunch of questions about this. It's like, all right, well, once I get to the game on Saturday, am I going to be up there in the binoculars just sort of like checking off the entire roster to see, see who's out there and who's not? And I think Notre Dame would like to get to a point where they can essentially put out a unavailable list without specifying why they're unavailable, um, you know, maybe two hours before a game. So we, you're not having to sit around and wait for Jack Collinsworth on the pregame show to tell you that, you know, Ian Book is out today. Like, that that will all be made public, um, you know, through Notre Dame earlier. And that and it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out during this, the, um, the weeks, too, because I think that we've all sort of seen this in college football so far. There's been a a reluctance to report much on the individuals who have missed time. Um, but that's during the preseason. I, I'm on board with that. Once the season starts, like, you know, if Ian book, we find out that he's got in contact tracing the Tuesday before the Clemson game. I doubt that people are just going to be like, well, we have to wait for Notre Dame to announce that. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be much more treated like a typical injury at that point. Well, in terms of how it's covered. Well, that would stink for multiple reasons because they play BC after that. And we wouldn't get Ian Book versus uh, no, Phil Dracovic no, no, no. then, too. <laughs> Phil might get his revenge then. Uh, one thing, I, by the way, the press release NBC just put out says Doug Flutie will still serve as a studio analyst on select weeks. So um, I know you're all waiting with bated breath for that announcement. Also, in the lead uh, paragraph or in the subhead for NBC, 30th season highlighted by Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. That's out then for the first time since 1979. Not sure how often I've seen an actual player highlighted in a network press release at the college level. In case you're wondering, very highlightable. In case you're wondering how big this game is and how long it's been since Notre Dame's played a team uh, of that ilk in Notre Dame Stadium on NBC. Uh, back to Brian Kelly and what we were talking about earlier. Uh, one question he was asked was, "How close is this team to game ready?" Eleven weeks before the season, or excuse me, eleven days before the season. Uh, with you know pretty much an abbreviated trading camp and he said my concern is mental all the distractions going on dealing with covid dealing with the troubles that are in our country today um dealing you know i'm not worried about stunts or tackling or this or that it's a mental performance piece another thing you really don't hear coaches say a whole lot um this close to the season right it's usually we suck we can't do this we can't do that I'd rather lose a limb than give up a day of practice. And here it's like, no, we're fine. Like, we just got to stay, you know, isolated um, away from this disease. I take that as a good sign. I mean, you know, it's a Zoom call where he can't even see us and we're like submitting questions and it's very impersonal. So, you know, Notre Dame's putting out there what they want to put out. But, I mean, we've seen a number of times where, you know, it's a Tuesday press conference or a preseason press conference and Brian Kelly has a habit of getting ahead of himself to make a point, whether it's our offense line was fine last year. I don't know what you're talking about. Or Phil Jerkovich is the best quarterback recruit in the country. Um, there was absolutely none of that today. It was calm, steady. We're taking it day by day. We are doing the things necessary to be able to play a football season this year. And if when we get to that point, I feel very confident about the personnel we have on this roster to go out there and have a good season. Yeah, he's comfortable with his product. You know, that's, that's a coach that's, likes what he sees um you know he goes out to practice every day there's not he doesn't need to sell anybody on anything um you know that includes selling a player on the fact that he believes in them um so that's that's good it should be a confident mature team one thing that uh 
I, I guess I just, I, I laughed when he said it is that the difference between Kyle Hamilton this year and last year was night and day. Like which one's the night and which one's the day? Like, was he day last year and now night? Cause I don't know. Whatever he was last year was pretty awesome. Um, so I, I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. I think that has a lot more to do with how he's used. I think that you'll see him more of a in the box safety, um, you know, sort of hawking around the line of scrimmage, maybe opposite sides from uh, Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa. But um, that uh, that certainly is intriguing. If if Kyle Hamilton is making that big of a jump from where he already was, he is he's way up there in terms of college football safeties. Well, I think. Um Part of that too was he's like you know you got you guys asked me this question and like he hadn't played a college game yet like as far as where he was from this point to last year so obviously having a full season of college football under his belt um, he's going to be much better and I think you know with most elite players that's where you see the biggest jump from freshman to sophomore um, from a guy who's just getting ahead ahead of him or getting a hang of things um, himself to a guy who knows what he's about and what he's capable of doing. Um, I think that the level of confidence that you get from that, um, I've never been a five-star prospect in anything myself, but I imagine that would be pretty, pretty uh, important. I mean, two years ago, I think, I wouldn't say we were talking about Houston Griffith in that same realm by any means, but like preseason, it looked like, all right, Notre Dame's got itself a really, really promising piece of the secondary here. He's going to play a lot of football a lot soon. And, you know, not, not to single him out because, you know, these guys are really a dime a dozen as far as, you know, guys who don't live up to the recruiting or message board hype. But, you know, it hasn't clicked for him in that realm yet. So I think we all had high hopes for Kyle Hamilton last year. I think we all knew physically what he was capable of. Then he goes out and gets a pick six, I think, on his first home defensive drive of his college career. First snap. And the seat. First snap. There you go. Uh, against uh, New Mexico, I believe, right? Um, which, yeah. It, it still counts. Uh, he, uh, I mean, hell, he had, he had three picks in his first practice. That's right. Against you the know, you, returning starting quarterback, too. Right. So it's, I mean, that one that one clicked early. Um, you know, that Kyle Hamilton is just a rare physical specimen. I went down to Atlanta to spend some time with him December of 2018 you know, kind of runs together, but you're just struck immediately about how big and rangy he is. We, he's never actually spoken to the media at Notre Dame. Um, so we haven't spent any time around him and obviously we're not going to be in the same, same room with him at all this year. But, um, when you're close to him, you see, he is just built so much differently than what your average Notre Dame football player or your average college football player looks like. Um, they're, there are there are not linebackers that look as good as he does, um, and you know he's he's got the whole package. So it's how he's used this year is kind of one of those. Man, I I'm just fascinated to see how how those skills get turned loose in a different way. It's I remember talking to somebody uh, close to him after the Louisville game last year, and if you'll remember, like he blitzed up the middle and like whiffed in the hole on a running back. I can't remember who the back was, but. Um, I was talking to this person who was like, yeah, in high school, he never blitzed. That's the first time he's ever blitzed in a game. Um, so for how impressive he is physically, there's like, oh, yeah, there's a, still a lot of untapped potential, and maybe that gets into what Brian Kelly's talking about, about kind of a night and day difference. But that's that should excite you if you're a Notre Dame fan. Um, that should excite you if you like watching really elite college football players um, play college football because he's got a chance to be, you know, 
pretty much a surefire first round pick in the 2022 draft. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Pete. Is this defense the fastest group of 11 players in the history of the sport? I believe it was only Notre Dame history, to be fair. But Uh, I'll take it a step further. The fastest defense ever? Like, is it faster than some of the uh, Jimmy Johnson Miami defenses? Yes. Um, Faster than the 85 Bears. Yeah, I mean, I was shocked by that question, um, considering last year's defense had Troy Pride on it, um, had Julian Okwara, had Khalid Kareem. Last year's defense was pretty fast. Um, So I, I don't... I don't get that. Um, I think that Notre Dame has good team speed, and I th- they've had good team speed for a few years now. Um, like I, I don't think they got hammered by Clemson due to a lack of team speed. Um, in 2012, when they ran into Alabama, they you they looked slow. Um, I don't get the vibe about last year's team or the team before that that they had speed issues. So I don't know. It's that was a strange question. I thought that it would have been fun to be in the room when Brian Kelly was asked that if he would have been asked that in a live press conference because he his reaction was just like uh yeah but so, right. sometimes he does like he'll take the bait and just be like yeah it's the yeah, best ever that, he just wants that to one he him. didn't though no he didn't yeah no. he yeah he was just like I don't I don't really want to get into this um it's just like how can I, how can I be nice um and say that we're fast without it coming across as like we've got a bunch of Usain Bolts running around because it's you just you don't lose a player with Troy Pride's speed uh, or Julian O'Carr's speed off the edge uh, and and get faster. I don't think. Um, I just don't think things work that way. But that doesn't mean this defense isn't fast. I think they got plenty of guys who can move around, whether it's Abusu Cormo or Hamilton. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see what they do with the Buck linebacker. But um, I, I would just say, like Notre Dame defense, fast enough. That and that's that's good. That's a good place fast, to be. Fast enough. They should make that in recruiting graphics. That'll uh, <laughs> that'll sell well. Uh, I was just looking um, as we're talking the the we saw the opening week ads. I think they're twenty one and a half, twenty one point favorites. Have they right? moved up. Yeah, it, was, it opened. I saw it twenty and 20 a half. half. Uh, I haven't seen week by week revised odds yet. I have seen the uh, futures odds though for ACC championship. Clemson obviously the favorite at minus three fifty. Notre Dame is second at plus 450, and that's a distant gap between them and number three, North Carolina, at plus 1,000. Um, I mean, if you're going to basically bet this future on one game, it makes sense, I think, because it probably will come down to those two teams. Now, granted, it's a weird year where, again, you don't know who's going to be available week to week, but knowing what we know about mm-hmm. these rosters, uh, I think I think that's fair. I agree. I mean, I, I think that, look, the, the Clemson game is the game we all want to see, but I think the the game against North Carolina three weeks later is going to have, should have incredible stakes on it. Um, you know, that, I think that was ultimately going to be a play-in game for the ACC championship game. Um, so that's, if I had to, if I had to justify why I need to go to, uh, to Chapel Hill on the and be there on the Black Friday, Friday for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Um, no one's getting together for Thanksgiving this year anyway. We're all social I know, so I, so I should just be down there. Um, that's that's how I would do it. That's how I would. Hopefully, they'll have a basketball game that weekend there too. You can check out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just I came away from Brian Kelly today. You know, we're less than two weeks away from the first game, uh, and thinking this is a guy who's 
pretty confident in what he's got. Um, you know, and, and even enough that some of the, the freshman commentary was a little bit uh, muted today. You know, he mentioned Jordan Johnson and Chris Tyree in passing. Um, he's mentioned them enough where I, I don't think we're in a spot where he feels like he needs to hype them up a whole lot. Um, you know, but then he threw Riley Mills and Jordan Botello in there. And at this point, for those guys, we're talking about, okay, probably Notre Dame's sixth defensive tackle and fifth or sixth defensive end. Like, if that's how that plays out, that's a that's another good sign that your depth chart is in a really healthy spot because those guys are incredibly talented. I went and saw Mills work out um, last spring or spring ago. Uh, and then Jordan Botello has sort of been advertised as like, <laughs> I, this is a, a family podcast, so I won't use profanity, but like a really nasty dude um, out there. And that's, that's, he's just, he's just wired that way. Um, and you're not going to be able to take that out of him. And ultimately that's going to be to Notre Dame's benefit. Got to ask it really, we talked to Brian Kelly today, the game, the season's 11 days away. There are some games this weekend. It really hit home for me this past weekend when I realized at least you should have been in Dublin. And oh, geez, today yeah. when we get every TV announcement in the world from every conference that's playing this year, that's when, to me, it's like, all right, we're ready to go. I haven't seen actual football in person or practice or anything, and I've done everything over Zoom the way I've been doing it for five months. But, like, uh, it finally feels like fall for me. Uh, what was this weekend like for you uh, in place of the previously scheduled Dublin trip? Previously scheduled uh, Annapolis trip, although I guess that would have been this weekend. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely had some longing for being in Dublin and being out of a fourth or fifth Guinness on, on Friday night. Um, instead, I did some very heavy landscaping around my house, which is not fun at all. Um so yeah, I, I just sort of it was a weird spot. I, I didn't watch the Central Arkansas game. Um, I just I felt like that was just a, a faux start to the college football season. Um, I, I needed to know, watch a team that I I knew something about. Um, so I think what we got BYU Navy this weekend. Um, I don't know if there's anything U, else. UAB plays. Yeah, there there's some games. Um, yeah, just I, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I should have been in Ireland and texting people who I would have been in Ireland with. Like, wouldn't it be great if we were in Ireland together right now? Um, he was like, "Yep, that's still on my calendar too." So yeah, it's I don't I don't know when it's going to feel like oh crap, the football season is here. Today today was one of those days where it felt like it got closer when you see like TV times, um, but it it might it may not be until like I get in the car and drive to the stadium on September twelfth. In, on Saturday morning or whenever we're able to get in there. Cause it's with no traffic. That'll be, that won't make it feel like <laughs> no, no traffic, easy parking. Like I kind of want to, you know, I want to get over there and see like, okay, what is this like? Right. Like, um, and I don't even know if that will be allowed to walk around campus, sure. but, um, I, I'm just, I'm interested to see like, okay, I, what kind of vibe is, is this going to give off? You know, does this, does, could you be watching football and still be like, okay, is football starting? Like, is this, is this really happening? Because um, I think it's just—it's going to be a weird dynamic. It's not going to be like anything any of us have ever seen before. I'm with you, uh, but the number of emails I've had to delete today about TV start times gets me in the zone <laughs> about getting ready for the season. So I was I'm there. So, I, I, was, I wasn't there this weekend with the Central Arkansas game. I know a lot of our friends were tweeting about it. I, I couldn't <laughs> get there yet. 
Um, I can't just like pretend. I, I'm just not good at that. But today, hearing Brian Kelly talk, I mean, now I'm I'm all in. Yeah, no, it's um, and I, we we're still sort of waiting to see what access is going to be. Are we going to get Brian Kelly? A couple times next week, are we going to get? Will, will he get game? us? Will he be able to see yeah. us <laughs> on Zoom? Um, you know, all all that is to be determined. You know, it's, I've been saying this for the last few months. It's like this this entire uh, operation requires a lot of grace from a lot of people, media included, because um, certainly nothing is ideal about the way we're doing our jobs right now. Um, nor is anything ideal with the way sports information departments are doing their jobs or college football programs are doing their jobs. This is just the reality that we're living with. But uh, I believe we will uh, we'll effort to get a uh, a special guest next week um, to help us preview the season. Maybe we can find somebody who's been to an actual practice to join us um, and talk a little bit about what what's been happening. Because uh, that uh, I, I think that kind of insight is it's just been tough to come by this year. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, I thought it would be easier, frankly, to Zoom because most schools have had stuff every day. Notre Dame is not one of them. So you get us, you get our uh, whispers here and there, and you get uh, hopefully a really good guest that I don't think you have Doug Flutie in mind when you say someone who will be watching practice and can share some stuff with us next week. I hope so. I hope so. So until uh, we return next week, This is the latest episode of The Shamrock. Uh, As always, you can listen to us uh, wherever you get your podcasts and on The Athletic app. And for 40% off, theathletic.com slash The Shamrock. Rate, review the show. We appreciate all your five-star reviews, um, constructive feedback. And, you know, if if you want to give us a nasty review, at least just keep it to Twitter. That'd be great, too. Um, So until we return next week, he's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to the latest episode of The Shamrock.